Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. What's up, Fox River? How you doing? Good. Okay, we're still waking up. That's that's okay. That's okay. Hey, I'm I'm Pastor Bill, and if we haven't met, I just want you to know something. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'm excited just to think about what the next few minutes, what God might use them for to help us in our lives, that we might experience his blessing and, and glorify him more in, in however many days we have left uh, to breathe some oxygen on this, this planet, this broken, horrible, beautiful planet, okay? So, so I'm just really excited to be here. Hey, recently I was talking to my mother-in-law, Penny, and we talked about the horse incident. Now, I know you don't know what the horse incident is. So, so in short, like mega abbreviation, here's what it is. Penny, a few years back, she was riding bareback on a horse named Jazz. And while she's sitting there on Jazz in a training session, Jazz bolted. Now, you might not be familiar with what it bolted means, but you can just imagine what it means, okay? So, so Jazz bolts. Penny goes flying off the horse because she had nothing to hang on to because she was in a specific type of training that day. And she lands kind of on her head and shoulder and, and just this sickening crunch happens. The bad news is it was a pretty serious break. She broke um, the, the, the head of her humerus bone, like this large bone in, in your upper arm, and in three places. She had had a metal plate, just a nasty injury. In fact, it still bothers her today. But know this. That day could have been different, could have gone a lot different. If only jazz would have been just a little more gentle, all right? That day in the arena could have been different if somehow, some way, all the power that jazz the horse had could have somehow been brought under control. Can I tell you something? God has given us way more power than he's given any horse. Why would he do that? And, and what in the world are we supposed to do with all this power, by the way? Well, before we begin to answer that question from God's word, let's approach him together in prayer. All right. Father, we thank you for today. It's a gift. We acknowledge that in this moment together. We, we just say thank you. God, I pray that in these precious few minutes, God, that you have carved out of eternity and just served up to us on a silver platter, God, I pray that in those minutes we would hear from you. God, I pray that in those minutes we would understand what you're trying to tell us. And God, by your grace, by your strength, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you might help us to respond in faith to your good news and your good message that you have for us this morning. I pray that we leave here a changed people after having spent time with each other, but Lord, also with you. And above all, we pray this together, that, that Jesus, your name will be lifted high and exalted and that you alone, Lord, would be glorified. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, hey, let's read Psalm 37, 11 together. You're gonna see that up on the screen. Here we go, ready? But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. All right, how many meek men we got in here today? All right, 
How many meek men online? You're just like, whoa, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm just meek. Hear me roar, okay? How many, how many strong, independent, smart women? All right, you woke up this morning and you're like, here's my mission today. I'm gonna seek to be meek. Like, that's my goal for today. How, how many meek women in here today? Man, probably, probably not many people think in that way. I know I don't normally think that way. Well, why not? Because even though it sounds like it, listen, meekness is not weakness. Not the same thing, even though they sound the same. Meekness is actually strength. It's just under control. You see, meekness is gentleness. In fact, that's so important. I think we should just say that together. Meekness is gentleness. Ready? Meekness is gentleness. When you hear the word meek, think gentleness. We're going to say meek a lot today, so don't let yourself get off track. If your neighbor forgets, like, what is, what is meek? Say, it's gentleness. Okay, something like that. All right? Meekness is gentleness. It's like even though you have the power to, like, crush somebody, you don't do that. Instead, you show them Christ-like kindness and grace. That's meekness. And God promises to reward believers with land, like real estate, okay? Like physical, like actual land. He promises to reward believers with land, according to Psalm 37, if they choose meekness as a way of life. So here's what we're gonna do in the next few minutes. We're gonna take just a quick look at a few of the, the most powerful, most important, most meek people in all of Scripture. So, here we go. We're gonna start about 4,000 years ago. There was a guy that lived, and his name was Abraham, okay? Or Abe, or Abram, or Avram, if you, if you like a Hebrew scholar, okay? And, and he received a promise from God, and this promise was threefold, land, seed, and blessing. God promised that to him. But we're gonna zero in on the land part for obvious reasons, okay? So, so God made a promise to Abraham, I'm gonna give you some land. So Abraham says, okay, I believe you. And God leads Abraham. It took a little while to get there, but, but Abraham finally arrives in the land and to the land that God promised him. And he, he arrives there with his nephew Lot, by the way, just a side detail. But when he arrives in the land, guess what? There's already people living there. I mean, how about that? So he gets there, and, and, and what does Abraham do? Does he like, like throw a fit and he say, hey, does he demand the land like, hey, this is my land. God promised it to me. You need to get out. Get. Is that what he says? No, he doesn't throw a little temper tantrum. He doesn't do that. Okay, now Abraham was pretty rich. He had a ton of servants. He had a lot of animals, similar with Lot, his nephew. So together, I mean, they just had a lot of, a lot of power, honestly. They could have assembled an army, all right? They could have initiated a conquest killed some people, scared a lot more so that everybody got out of the land that God promised. Did he do that? No, he did not. He didn't exercise his power. Instead, what did he do? He foregoes his force, he trusts God, and he chooses meekness instead. Abe was meek. Abe trusted God to take care of him. Abe trusted God to give him the land. He's like, I don't have to take this land myself. I'm gonna trust God to give it to me. But you know what? Even though Abe was meek, even though God promised this land to Abraham, 
Abraham never actually possessed or owned any of it, except for this little tiny burial plot where he buried his first wife, Sarah. He never owned any of it. And he died. Promise never came true. Let's fast forward to the time of Moses. So Abraham was like way before Jesus. Moses is also way before Jesus, okay? But fast forward to the time of Moses. Moses was a really strong guy. At 40 years old, Moses used his strength to do what? To murder a man. Yeah, huh. But after that, God found Moses, tracked him down in the Sinai Peninsula somewhere, okay? So God finds Moses. And after Moses spent time with God, Moses became, according to Numbers 12, 3, Moses became the most meek man on the face of the planet Earth. And God used Moses, meek Moses, to liberate his people, his chosen people from slavery in Egypt, right? So God used Moses to liberate. He used, him, he used Moses to lead his chosen people into the chosen land of promise, what we call modern-day Israel, okay? And he did this. And this was not an easy assignment. Their time in the wilderness was marked by bickering within, battling with people from without. It was marked by disease and death. But during those 40 years, make no mistake, Moses led gently and with meekness. Yet when Moses and the Israelites arrived at the very edge of the land, guess what? God did not permit Moses to enter. Moses died atop Mount Nebo, overlooking the land, but never actually entering into it. Huh. What is going on? I mean, somebody tell me what's going on with Psalm 37, 11, which promises, hey, if you're meek, you're gonna inherit the land. Yet we, we took a look at Abraham, super meek, Moses, the most meek man on the entire planet at the time, and they didn't get the land. I mean, clearly this promise is not true. Clearly the Bible, I mean, I've heard about it and now I'm seeing it. Thanks, Pastor Bill. I didn't expect to get this when I came to church today, but, but like now I see the Bible is full of contradictions and God can't be trusted. Now, if you're feeling that tension, I hope you're feeling that because that's the goal right there, okay? We're not gonna stay in that place because it's not true. Because, well, like I said, Abraham and Moses, they came way before Jesus. But Jesus is finally coming. So listen, Jesus, the one who teaches deeper, right? You've heard of this guy. The one who teaches differently. The one who teaches with authority like no one else. Like Jesus, he is going to come. He'll, he'll straighten this out. Jesus will correct the record. He's, he's going to set us straight. So Jesus finally shows up. And in the very first part of his very first sermon, he doesn't correct anything. In fact, Jesus doubles down and appears to teach the same exact thing, like word for word almost. Let's take a look at that. Matthew 5, 5. Let's read this together. Here we go. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Huh. Yeah, that's definitely the same thing. What's going on? Well, let's revisit meekness real quick. All right, meekness, once again. Meekness is not weakness. 
Meekness is actually the presence of strength. Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is gentleness. We said that together, right? Meekness is gentleness, but it flows from holy humility, meaning this. Meekness involves looking at myself and seeing my sin in the same way that God sees it, right? And, and just mourning, like, like distressing, like deep sadness, because I'm sinning, I'm a sinner, and this is a problem that I just, I can't seem to fix this problem. And it grieves me. But it also points me to God, right? And it makes me reach out and realize that I really, really need him. I really, really need his grace. So meekness involves looking at myself, but meekness also involves looking at God. It's seeing him as perfect. It's seeing him as pure. It's seeing him as holy. It's seeing him as loving. It's trusting him to save, trusting him to protect, trusting him to provide. It's appreciating his gentleness. God, you've been so gentle toward me. I'm a sinner, and you should have killed me a long time ago because I violated your laws. I violated your rules, right? I thumbed my nose at you. I said no to you millions of times. God, you should have wiped me off the face of the earth. You should have took my life. You should have. You could have, but you didn't. You were gentle towards me. And I see your great love in my life. And, 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 and as I look to you, Lord, I'm choosing to follow you and I'm choosing to be like you. This is how you say meek in Greek. Praus. Praus. Can we say that together? Prouse. One more time, a little more participation. Here we go. Prouse. Okay, Prouse. Now, Prouse can be described or defined in, in, a, in a few different ways. I think probably the, the best way or the best definition to kind of extract uh, from the lexicon, the Greek lexicon, is, is, is it carries this idea of, of taming uh, a wild animal, okay? Um, involves taming a wild animal like that would otherwise be wild, right? If this is the difference between a wild horse and a war horse, all right? A wild horse is wild, like good luck trying to control a wild horse, okay? But a war horse, huh? A war horse surrenders their strength to their trainer, right? A war horse surrenders their strength to their rider, doesn't it? And that strength under control, I mean, Power in, in the proper hands, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Now, meekness or prouse when it comes to us is us surrendering our strength to our trainer, to our rider, okay? That analogy kind of breaks down right there, but, but the one who has authority over us, that's probably the best way to say it, right? It's putting on the bridle voluntarily, it's allowing Jesus to take the reins of our life, okay? I'm not gonna put the bit in my mouth. I haven't cleaned this properly, okay? But, but, but that's, that's what it involves, okay? Although natural horsemanship is better. And all you horse people, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Natural horsemanship is like when you don't even need the bridle. Because natural horsemanship is not based on power and control. Like, a horse, I'm going to tell you what to do. It's based on relationship. And man, when you're in right relationship 
All right, when you're surrendering your power to somebody you're in right relationship with, man, there's more control. There's more teamwork. That's really what I'm getting after. And there's more joy, isn't there? How perfectly does that translate to Christianity, doesn't it? Like, oh, man, you got right relationship with God? Mm-hmm. We're going to do some pretty awesome stuff. We're going to witness some pretty cool things. And there's going to be a joy within, right? Like, man, I'm walking with the Lord. All right, cool. Nothing like it. Hey, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Turn there in your Bibles or on your electronic device of choice. I want to show you something with Jesus. Because, man, we talked about Abraham. Great stuff. Talked about Moses. Great stuff. But I tell you what, Jesus, that, that's... That's who Abraham and Moses were, were all about, and that's who we should be about too. So Matthew 26, um, we're going to kick things off in verse 30 in just a second, but, but here's just a tiny bit of con- context because we're, we're diving into like, you know, the middle of one of the Gospels, all right? So at this point, Matthew 26, here's what we see taking place. This is at the very end of Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry. So for the past three-and-a-half years, Jesus has been... In public ministry, he's been teaching, he's been preaching, he's been healing. That's what he's been doing for three and a half years, okay? This is at the very end of it. This is like a few hours before, roughly 12 hours, before he's crucified, all right? So this is at the very, very end. So where we're about to dive in, this is where Jesus is betrayed with a kiss by one of his closest friends, Judas Iscariot. And and right where we dive in here, in in verse number 30, Jesus is in the process of being arrested by a group of Roman soldiers. All right, so here we go. Let's dive in. We're going to start in verse number 50. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. He's speaking to Judas Iscariot. Then the men, the Roman soldiers, they stepped forward and they seized Jesus and they arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions, Peter, reached for his sword, he drew it out, and he struck the servant of the high priest, all right, cutting off his ear. Ouch. Put your sword back in his place, Jesus said to Peter, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And then Jesus continues talking to Peter, and other people are hearing it, right? Like Matthew, who wrote this gospel. Don't you think I can't I can call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. One legion means this, 5,000 armed soldiers. Jesus just said, I can ask my father to send 12 legions and he'll do it. That's not 5,000 armed soldiers. That is 60,000 armed angels. You do not want to be on the receiving end of 60,000 armed angels as an opponent of Jesus. You, you, do, you don't want any of that, okay? So what power Jesus had. What power he had. And, and that's just the beginning. Listen, Jesus, if he wanted to, he could have just said some words and knocked all those Roman soldiers over. He could have. If Jesus wanted to, this is the kind of power that Jesus had, okay? He could have made their hearts stop instantaneously. Like, he could have. I mean, he calmed the wind and the waves, didn't he? Even, even the storms obey him. He could tell a human heart to stop. He could have done it. He could have got out of the jam in a heartbeat. Pun intended. Guilty as charged, okay? He could have, 
And I thank God that he doesn't do stuff like this. But he could have, just at that very moment, he could have sent them straight to hell, an eternity apart from God's grace and love and presence. He could have done that. Just like you could, parents. You could discipline your child in too strong of a way. You have that power. Children, you could disobey your parents. (laughs) I know just the very thought of that just makes you cringe. Like, why would I disobey my parents? But you have that power. You could do that. All right, if you're in a position of authority at your workplace, maybe you're even the owner. Listen, you could fire your employee rashly, hastily. You could even do it just because you're having a bad day, and you, you, I mean, you just got to let some of this anger out. I mean, what are you supposed to do, really? It's not my fault, but you, you're fired. You could do that. Okay? You could humiliate somebody, perhaps one of your closest friends, because you know stuff about them. They've confided in you. And maybe you're not close like you used to be, and, and they kind of ticked you off. You could humiliate them. You could do that. You have that power. You could use social media to make others hate somebody. You have that power. Just like Jesus had a lot of power, so do we. But Jesus, listen, Jesus didn't exercise any of that power, did he? No, he didn't. Rather, he surrendered his strength to God. He trusted in his Father. And instead, he exercised meekness. Now, why would Jesus do that? Because Jesus was on mission with God. You see, Jesus and his father, they were on mission together. All right? They were on the same team. They were in the same huddle. The father called the play, and they ran it together. Now, if you saw me out and about in the community somewhere, at the supermarket or or at the gas station or walking my dog saying hi to a neighbor or something, why, if you caught me in the right moment on the right day, because I'm not perfect, but if you caught me being meek, why would I choose to be meek at that time? Why? Because I would be on mission with Jesus. You see, Jesus and I are on mission together. We're on the same team. We're in the same huddle. Jesus calls the play and we run it together. Now, I know that Jesus is getting the ball. I know I'm just a role player, okay? Like you're not even gonna see me on the highlights. You're not gonna see me, okay? You see Jesus. He's He's gonna get the ball, he's gonna hit the game winner, he's gonna get all the glory. I know that. But you know what else I know? I know that God has made a promise to me and every other meek believer out there. He's made a promise, and that promise is something very special, and it's Matthew 5, 5. He said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And that's something that we should memorize this week, Matthew 5, 5. Okay, you could download this week's graphic All right, use it as a wallpaper on your phone. All you can do is scan the QR code, whether you're at one of our campuses or online, you're gonna see that QR code. Go ahead and scan it, download that. And when you see that throughout the week, I hope you see it throughout the week, it's a chance to ask yourself, am I on mission? Am I actually playing on Team Jesus this week? You can use it as a reminder, right? 
am I being meek this week? But also you can use it as a reminder as to what the source of deep happiness is. Because you know what Matthew 5, 5 means. Oh yeah, we didn't actually talk about what 5, 5 means, did we? Well, we should probably do that, right? What does Matthew 5, 5 actually mean? So glad you asked. Here we go. Here's what Matthew 5, 5 actually means. Here's what we know from the whole of Scripture, right? Page one to the last page. We know this. Those who believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, those who believe that Jesus Christ three days later rose from the grave for their lives, those who believe that and those who trust in Jesus, not themselves, but they trust in Jesus and what he did to save them. So those who believe and trust, those people are going to heaven, every single one of them. I don't care how rotten their life is before or after they believe and trust Jesus to save them. It's based on faith, not works, right? Romans 3.28. We know they're going to heaven. We also know from Scripture, if you haven't read the very end of God's word, I'm talking about Revelation 21 and 22, like, if you're one of those people that reads the end of the book first, like, this is totally up your alley, okay? Read the last two chapters. What you're going to see is you're going to see that, that heaven and earth, one day, they're going to be the same place. Like, the new Jerusalem is going to come down from the sky and be married or joined to the new earth. And there's going to be cities and cities and cities in heaven or earth or however you say that. I don't know. In that place be cities. And those cities are going to be filled with believers. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Guess who's going to be in charge of those cities, though? The meek. You see, not all Christians choose to be meek. In fact, very few of them choose to be meek. But the meek will be in charge of those cities this is when Moses and Abraham and us and every other Christian who chooses meekness as a lifestyle, this is when we finally inherit the land that God promised us. Psalm 37, 11 is true. Matthew 5, 5 is true. And when I think about that future, and I hope we can get on the same page, when I think about that future, when I think about all the times that I trust in Jesus, how all of those times are leading up to a time when Jesus trusts me to rule and reign and govern with him and for him? Are you kidding me? That makes me happy. When I think about that, God provides me a deep happiness that's only possible with him. He provides me a deep happiness. A makarias. That's impossible without him. You take God out of the equation, I can't have that deep happiness. So many of us are searching for deep happiness. How do we get it? This is one of the answers. Follow Jesus in meekness. Be meek like him. And think about the promise that he's made. Think about the fulfillment of that promise. Anticipate it with joy and enjoy that joy now. Now realize when you're on mission with God, when you're walking closely with Christ, According to Galatians 5.23, he produces gentleness or meekness. The word is prous, it's the same word. He produces meekness within you. But it's still our choice, whether or not, to use it. Am I going to put off my pride? 
and put on the meekness of Christ. That's my choice. God does not force my hand in that. It's your choice to fight with your family or for your family. Parents, I know you're bigger. You're stronger. You are louder. Clean your room for the 19th time. But is that strength under control? What if instead we came down to the level of our younger children and coming alongside of them, we led them gently like Jesus leads us? What if, what if we did that? Listen, it's your choice not only whether to fight with your family or for your family, it's your choice whether or not to defend a friend. I remember this was like my freshman or sophomore year in high school, like it's during passing time. I come around the corner, like going to my locker or class or something, I come around the corner and I see one of my friends. His name was Tim Bly. Shout out to Tim Bly if you're listening. If you know Tim and he's not listening, send this to him, okay? So anyways, Tim Bly, I come around the corner and he's getting slammed against the lockers by an upperclassman. And the upperclassman's like super strong and intimidating. I mean, you know how it goes when a bully kind of does stuff, right? And I come around and I'll be honest, I did nothing. I was weak in that moment. I had strength, but I didn't use it. You see, meekness, right? Meekness is not the absence of strength. Meekness is actually the very presence of strength, simply surrendered to God. Now, if I was a Christian at the time, which I wasn't, okay, but if I was a Christian, here's what I could have and should have done. I should have recognized I got some strength. I got some adrenaline flowing right now. I got that fight or flight thing going on and God, here's my strength. What would you have me do with it? And I'm confident looking back that we, he, he would have gave me a pretty, pretty good answer. Now I don't know how fat my lip would have been. I don't know how many black eyes I would have received at that time, but I had the opportunity to come to the defense of someone who needed help. Is that not what Jesus does? Does he not help those who need help? Does he not come to the defense of those who are defenseless? Does he not provide for people who otherwise would not be provided for? That's the love of Jesus. It has everything to do with meekness. It's our choice whether or not to love others gently or meekly, just like Jesus loves them. You see, when Jesus came, he didn't come to break any bruised reeds. Imagine like a plant and the stalk is like damaged and, and you see the plant is kind of like, you know, it's broken and it's just, Jesus didn't come and he's like, ha, 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 snip, throw it out, that's not it. Jesus didn't come to break any bruised reeds. Jesus didn't come to snuff out any smoldering wicks. See, Jesus didn't come in judgment. Jesus came gently. See, he died and rose for sinners like you and I. He died and rose for broken people like us. Jesus died and rose for friends, for family members, for strangers, and others that need help. Jesus came as a lamb to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19, 11. Jesus came gently with a heart for people and a message that only he can save. And we don't have to, but we get to. 
be meek like our Messiah. We don't have to, but we get to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And we get to experience deep happiness knowing that he rewards those who are on mission with him. If you've been bruised by sin, if the light of your life has all but been extinguished, hear this, a savior has come in meekness and in gentleness. He's come to restore your hope. He's come to give you new life, like, like not just life that maybe you had back when things were good, but he's, giving, he's offering you new life, like life that you don't even know how good it is. He's like, I'm offering that to you. In Matthew 11, verse 28, here's what Jesus says about himself. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am prous. I am gentle. I am meek. And I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. It's not hard like the one that's been driving you all these years. My yoke is easy. And my burden is not like the burden you've been, not that heavy one that you're like, your knees are buckling and, and you can't walk properly because the weight of life, the weight of sin, just everything that's wrong with this world is upon you and you're carrying it. Listen, my burden's not like that. Jesus says, my burden is light. If you've yet to trust in Jesus, receive him today. None of us are promised tomorrow. And we know that's true. But by God's grace, let us truly consider that. If you haven't received Christ, now is the time. And it may be one of your last chances. So just consider them. I'm not trying to scare you, but that's just the truth. If you haven't received Jesus, receive him today. And if you're willing, let's pray together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. It is truly a gift. We just say that again. God, thank you for these minutes that we've got to share with one another and, and share with you, God. I trust that you are doing exactly what you say you do. You are working on our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are convicting hearts. You are pursuing every one of us, God, in the fullness of our hearts. God, for those who, whose hearts are soft and they're in this place right now that maybe they've never been in before where they believe and they're, they're ready to trust you, Lord. We pray this prayer together. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose for my life. I confess that I'm a sinner, Lord, and that I need what you did for me on the cross. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting that you're gentle like you say you are. And Lord, I'm trusting you to save me and to make me new. Receive me, Lord as I receive you, thank you. I wanna ask you to do something if you just received Jesus. I know it might be a little scary. Remember, everyone's eyes are closed and their heads are still bowed. But if you receive Jesus, would you raise your hand just a little bit right now so that we can thank God for, for the good work that he's doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So good, so good. 
God, we pray for every person here at Fox River. We pray for every believer within our Fox River family. We pray this, God, that you might remind us that you saved us so that we could be on mission with you. God, that we could be reconciled, brought near to you once again, that we might walk together. Help us to surrender our strength to you. Help us to trust you, to choose meekness over weakness, to choose meekness over pride, to choose meekness, to choose you, Lord Jesus, over everything. God, you give us great strength and power so that in your hands you might use it to do great things in and through us, in the world, but Lord, also in our homes, so that we might bring glory to your name, so that we with you might bless the world together, and so that we might even experience deep happiness now, but also in the life to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,